Welcome to the Unstoppable E-Commerce Podcast, your place to learn how to run a profitable six-figure e-commerce business that gives you the financial freedom to live the life of your dreams. I'm your host, Karen Parkinson, an e-commerce marketing mentor, Facebook ad specialist, speaker, and mum based in Hobart, Tasmania. With over 11 years experience in the industry, experience coaching hundreds of e-commerce business owners through my signature program, Ecom Igniter, and up to the minute insights from my Facebook ad agency, Unstoppable E-Commerce. I'm here to educate and empower you to create your own unstoppable e-commerce business. Click subscribe so you don't miss an episode and let's jump in. Before we begin today, I'd like to acknowledge the Palawa people of Lutruwira as the first people and custodians here through all of time. The warm, loving feeling of home is felt here and it's a testament to the nurturing and care you've provided this country for thousands of years. I pay respect to the elders and acknowledge them as the wisdom holders and the teachers of the Palawa community. Welcome. Today, I am so excited to be joined by Anita Seek. Anita is a lawyer turned serial entrepreneur. She's a brand and business strategist, a copywriter, podcast host, and the CEO of WordFetty. WordFetty is a human-centered brand strategy and copywriting house specializing in helping brands that don't do normal stand out and sell through the power of psychology, design, thinking, and words. She is just an absolute powerhouse when it comes to words and how to write things to really get people connecting and to be able to sell your products better. So Anita is sharing so many tips with us today, everything from what to send in your emails, how to write your Facebook ads, so many tips that she's giving us, also sharing some of the common mistakes that e-commerce brands make and how you can avoid those. We're talking brand voice. It is a jam-packed episode. So without further ado, let's jump on in. So Anita, thank you so much for joining me today. Yay, I'm excited. I've been looking forward to this. I've been super excited. I've been dying to get you on the podcast because I know my listeners absolutely love your all of your word knowledge that you've got. It's oh, my word amazing. knowledge. <laughs> word knowledge. But tell us, you were a lawyer to start with. How did you go from lawyer to bright, bubbly, yes brand and copy strategist like what happened how did I go from writing things people do not read like legislation and policy to writing (laughs) things people read yeah (laughs) I would love to tell you the story of how I just knew and woke up one day and I was like this is what (laughs) I am going to do it was not like that I probably worked in corporate uh, I was in government for around four and a bit years I climbed the corporate ladder and to be honest, felt nothing uh, getting the roles that I thought would make me feel something. So yeah. for me, I had dabbled in creating a lot of different side hustles just to kind of fill that void. WordFetty was my third side hustle. My first one was in photography. My parents used to always, like we traveled quite a bit. I was really lucky and I got to tag along with my parents and we would travel a lot and they would give me the camera and I would always take photos of them, of everything, of us. And I've loved photography for ages and I still do. But just because you know how to hold a camera doesn't mean you should be a photographer. (laughs) And I still love it, but I don't think that was my thing. 
I then started a business with my mum, again, very organically. Uh, Mum, literally her house is, she's very good when it comes to looking after plants and watering them and knowing what plants are all about. I am not. Uh, But we create a succulent business. You can see mine dying in the background there. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. well, it me. Like I will kill terrariums. I will kill cacti. If you want your plants to die, bring them over. (laughs) I will call mum whenever my plants are not looking okay and she will somehow save them. So we started a succulent business and it was really simple. Like we just sold these really simple, easy, like succulent plants. But then what would happen is people would start emailing us and being like, oh, what does it mean when this happens? And, you know, I don't understand what, and I'm like, oh, I'm not the gal. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I kill owls. <laughs> and it was tricky is, again, it, the zing was not there. And Word Freddy was my third side hustle. And the zing was definitely there. And it was purely born out of my love for language, my love for words. I mean, I do words in what I did in my corporate job. But there was only so much creativity I could inject in a piece of policy and legislation. But the principle remains, right, like that the tiniest of tweak in language, in legislation, even in business, can yield completely different feelings and emotions. And that's what I've fallen in love with. And I'm still in love with it to this day. And that's how it started six and a bit years ago with Word Fetty. It was a side hustle. And then I left my corporate job around 10, 11 months later to pursue it full-time. So full-time, five and a bit years. Amazing. And here we are today with WordFetty not just being, I guess, the three sides to WordFetty, I like to say. There is studio, shop, and school. So there's three arms to WordFetty now, and I guess we're all about helping brands stand out and sell through the power of psychology and words. I love that. Such a succinct, as I would expect from you, (laughs) way of describing it as well. Succinct. (laughs) And I love that for anyone that's listening who is like on their first side hustle and thinking, I have to make it work with this one. Because I'm also, this is my third iteration of my business. And, uh, you know, I held on to the first one for way too Mm. long because I lost money in that business and I felt like I had to make it back in that business. So it was like flogging a dead horse, right? But I I was like my baby. I felt like it had to work. So I love that you're sharing that, hey, this just wasn't just like an overnight success and the first Mm -mm. thing worked. I tried a few other things and then you found what you love. So that's awesome. And and I mean, I just want to say there's been iterations, of course, with the evolution of WordFetty as well. I think for the first couple of years, I was really building it based on what I thought, like what everyone else thought was success, not really based on what I really wanted it to be like. So yeah, I mean, I'm still going through that. I think we all do business, right? Always learning and adapting and, you know, climbing that mountain. And sometimes you get to the top and go, oh, this is not actually where Wrong I wanted mountain. to be or what I thought it would be when I got yeah. there. Wrong mountain. <laughs> Let me find another one. <laughs> yes. So, love that. Wrong mountain. So a lot of the ladies listening are e-commerce business owners and there is such a low barrier to entry these days. You know, back in the day when I started my website, it was like a $20,000 website. Like these days you can jump on Shopify and, you know, you can have a website up in a weekend. There's so... That kind of in turn means there's also a lot more competition. There's a lot of sort of brands popping up all the time. So how can someone make their brand and their product sort of stand out? Yeah, good question. I mean, yeah, you're right. First of all, I think a lot of people, it's quite easy now to start a business, but no one really talks about 
I guess, the sustainability and sustaining a successful, profitable business. Yeah. Yes, there is a lot of competition. How do you stand out? Oh, there's probably three things that come to my mind when it comes to a business or a brand that really wants to stand out in an industry where there's a lot of other people that do what you do. The first element is probably the one thing that no one else can replicate and take away from you. And that is probably the almost maybe the nucleus or the beating heart of why you started this brand. So if you can kind of connect the dots between why the sliding door moment or why you decide to start this e-commerce business, maybe it was born out of frustration yourself. Maybe it was born out of you being in the industry, but something needed to change. Whatever it is, really finding something that no one else can really replicate because that is the one monopoly you have, right? Your story. People can mimic your color palettes. People can mimic your product line. I don't recommend it, but people cannot mimic your story. It's your one monopoly. So I think that's the first thing I would suggest if there is anything around your story or your sliding door moment that led you to creating this e-commerce business. The second thing is the brand itself. And this requires the business or the business owner or e-commerce business owner to really not just look at the product itself as just, I am selling a, I'm trying to look at a candle. I'm looking at what's on my table right now. I am selling a candle and here are all the different types of candles I sell. It's got this flavor and this flavor and it's got feature benefit, feature benefit, feature benefit. That is very easily copyable. A list of features and benefits is very easy to copy. One thing that is very hard to copy is, again, that it's almost like, let's imagine your best friend, for anyone who's listening, your best friend. Yes, there's other people who you could be best friends with, but there is something about this best friend of yours that you're just like, oh, she or he or, you know, they just get me, right? The same can be said about a particular brand. If you can really create a brand personality, if you can really communicate in a way that's going to have your audience feeling like, oh, wow, this brand gets me. I feel like they're a same value alignment. I feel like they are the ones that are going to give me what I want beyond just the product and make me feel good about my purchase. That is going to transcend the price, the even the list of features and benefits. You're no longer just selling the product. You're selling a belief or you're selling I guess, this element of also connection, right? Because let's think about all the candles that are out there. I mean, I'm a candle lover. I don't know about you (laughs) Um, or anyone else who's listening. You could buy so many different candles. Why do you buy the candle that you have purchased? There's usually a reason, right? So I've got a few at home at the moment. I've got some from Glasshouse. I've got one behind me just there. No one can see, obviously, because this is not a, you guys can just hear me, but there's one behind from one of our clients, the Carlisle Hotel. I got that one because it reminds me of the physical space of that hotel, but I get the glasshouse ones because of what they stand for in terms of how they've encapsulated like a space or a place. I think I've got like the Amalfi Coast on my table at the moment. So they're not just selling a list of features and benefits of all the different essential oils that are in this. They're actually selling this particular feeling of it's a space or place that's been like, take yeah, you back to Italy nostalgia and, yeah. and all of that. So that's the second thing, more so about the brand. And that's there's a few dimensions to that, right? There's the voice 
There is the what makes, I guess, what you do different. And a lot of it is also too in, I guess, goes hand in hand with the story too and how that weaves into, well, this is not just a candle business. This now also expands and that's why Glasshouse has also expanded into a lot of different product ranges, into a lot of different things, right? The third and final thing that I think is key, and I might be very biased, is the language and the communication in terms of how you can really stand out. I don't know about you, but sometimes I can read an email or something on a website or read something on socials and it feels really zingy, but then you land on the website and it feels very, oh, is it the same brand? (laughs) Is this the same brand? So communication would probably be the final bit that I believe is key in terms of helping a brand stand out. And this is not just in what you say, it's in how you say it, how you communicate with your audience. How are you selling the candle simply based on the list of features and benefits? Or are you selling it based on the fact that, you know, one, light it up for literally within like two, three minutes and have your entire room smell like you've stepped into the Amalfi Coast? Like how are you communicating what you're actually selling is probably the third element. I love the brand uh, who gives a crap the toilet paper brand. Me too. All of their ads, all of their website, even down to the box, mm. is like there's potty humour all through yeah. it. You know, like you open up a roll and it's like, hey, you've got a nice bum. So good. Like, But just everything yeah, yeah, yeah. is so consistent all the That's way through. It. And following that scent, you know, you know when you've clicked through, you know when you're on their brand because, and like I've just got a box of it today and it says this house gives a crap. Like, you know, just everything they do. Oh, yeah, exactly. And that way people also start to recognize your brand voice and your brand based on how you're speaking and how you're communicating, which, you know, is really powerful, right? Because you can start to then, it's like recognizing your best friend from like across the room. Like you're like, oh my God, that's her. Oh oh my gosh, that's him. You know? So that really helps too, I think, in the realm of being uncopyable. Because when someone recognizes that someone else has got a very similar brand voice to you in how they're communicating, you're like, that sounds like who gives a crap? Or that sounds like go to skincare, which is another brand that I feel like so many people are like, I want to be like them. Yes. Yeah, they get used as an example oh, yeah. so often. <laughs> and they do an incredible job. So yeah, it makes makes sense. So Yeah. Amazing. I love that. So three amazing ways that you can help your brand to stand out. And one thing that you touched on there was brand voice. Now, I talk a bit about brand voice inside my course and program. And one thing that I find people I'm like, so what's your brand mm. voice? And they just kind of like shrink down. Yeah. Like they don't want to even think about it. They're like, I don't know. It's conversational. <laughs> That's not a tone of voice. Yeah, no. <laughs> Yes, I get that one a lot. Yeah, good question. (laughs) How does somebody shake that brand voice if they're not sure? First of all, uh, I think it's important to kind of distill the difference between voice and tone because I see people use these two words interchangeably quite a lot. There's a difference, very subtle difference. So see brand voice as the climate. It's the personality. It is a set of characteristics that you would expect. If you go to Bali, if you go to Paris, if you go to New Zealand, if you go to, I don't know, Hong Kong, you would expect, you'd expect the climate would be X, Y, and Z, right? The tone of voice, on the other hand, is the weather. Yeah. So kind of see it as at any given day, depending on what's going on in the environment, 
that can change. It could rain, it could, I don't know, snow, it could be really hot, it could hail. So the tone of voice is the behaviour. And it is ultimately what, and it should change depending on the context, the content channel, the audience. You're not going to say the same thing necessarily to a Mark Zuckerberg versus your mum versus an ideal client. You know, <laughs> I don't know. I would guess not, though. Uh, so that should change. Yeah, I hope not. <laughs> yeah, my mum still has no idea what I do, so that would be very tricky to hope give not. as an example. <laughs> so there's a distinction between the two. The brand voice <laughs> is the climate. The brand tone of voice is the weather. Now, how do we find our brand voice? It's something I see so many of our students and even our clients struggle with quite a bit because. I see them struggle because of usually two big reasons. The first reason is if they have developed the brand and it is themselves and then they get other people to join them in the journey and there's team members and they're like, oh my goodness, this sounds nothing like me. I'm just going to keep writing. Or they outsource to a copywriter and because they themselves cannot document their brand voice, they outsource to a copywriter and the copywriter writes the thing and they're like, this sounds nothing like me. I'm going to rewrite it. So it's really important that we document our brand voice. So that usually happens when there's a founder and that you grow or co-founder, you grow and you need other people coming in. And the second reason is usually when you may be wanting to up-level or elevate your brand voice to attract a new audience. So, and that gets into, well, how do you find your brand voice? Yeah. People, the biggest mistake I see people make when it comes to finding their brand voice is they jump straight to, oh, I'm going to be conversational. I want to sound cool. I want to sound friendly. Uh, that is not the right approach to create your brand voice. <laughs> First of all, conversational is not a brand voice. You would hope that when you read something <laughs> that it is going to flow and it is conversational, right? How you should find your brand voice, if I'm to share one big, big tip, is you've got to really make sure that you're working backwards from the client you ultimately want to attract. So if you know that you want to be attracting mums who have little humans, who are, you know, juggling a lot of different things and you've got a product here, that's going to really help them. I don't know what it could be. It could be maybe a, give me a product that a busy mum might buy. Oh, a nanny. (laughs) (laughs) That's not a product. (laughs) But let's just say, uh, let's just use the example of a recipe book. Yeah. All right. Let's just use a recipe book as an example. If we were to look at a busy mom with little humans uh, and time poor and all that, if your brand is dedicated to creating recipe books for this audience, you really need to speak their language and have them gravitate towards you. That's how you should be creating your brand voice based on the audience you ultimately want to attract and what you want to be remembered for and what this brand is all about, right? So I don't know if that's that's a very broad answer, but I hope that gives you some insight as to how you shouldn't find your brand voice, which is just, let's just sound cool and cheeky, <laughs> but more intentionally and strategically based on, well, who are you wanting to attract and what characteristics and behavior would this audience really want to gravitate towards, right? You usually would only develop your brand voice once you know, obviously, your audience. Uh, You wouldn't be creating your brand voice without knowing a rough idea of who you want to serve and support. Yeah, audience first, always. Love that. Okay, let's talk copy. 
So obviously that's one part of what you do with uh, Word Fatty. And uh, what are some of the biggest mistakes you see people make when it comes to writing copy for their product business? Yeah, one of the biggest mistakes. Oh, there's a few. Yeah, that's <laughs> popping my mind. I'll share two. Can I share two? Okay, share your top two. Let's do it. Yeah, I think the first big mistake I see so many e-commerce businesses make when it comes to their copy or just overarching business or brand is neglecting the journey that follows after someone buys or the journey if someone doesn't end up buying. So I'm talking about things like abandoned cart email sequences. I'm talking about if you've got a 10% off code and you've got you've given them the code and they haven't used it, do you have an email sequence to invite them to use it? Once they've received the product, are you sending them a series of emails to kind of invite them to review the product, to share about it, social sharing? And that is such a big missed opportunity for product-based businesses because we focus so often on social media, getting the likes, getting more followers and getting more clients or customers that we forget the power in the little things like the abandoned cart sequence, the making sure people are using the free shipping code or the 10% code. Because how many times have you opted in for, I know I have, opted in for something and I'm like, yeah, maybe. And then like, you end up watching Love Island and you're like, oh, whoopsie, I forgot. But it's not until they remind you, yeah. maybe through like a time sequence that, hey, you've Especially got... Especially if your target audience is those busy mums with little kids. Uh-huh. They're getting distracted. Uh-huh. Yep, that's it. That's it. So that would be one of the biggest mistakes, biggest maybe even missed opportunity for product-based businesses where I feel like they focus so much on just getting more followers or likes or more visibility, more views on reels that they forget that there's so much power in actually focusing on clients who are this close to buying or people who have already purchased. Yeah, post-purchase. Massive missed opportunity. Because if that person shared the post to their audience, guess what? There's going to be people being like, oh, what is she buying? I want that. I know I've been influenced like that so many times. Yeah. So that's the first thing. I'd say the second thing is more so around the actual product description and the actual uh, content creation around the product. One thing I often hear from product-based businesses is, they're always like, I honestly have no idea how to make this sound more interesting because I feel like I'm saying the same thing again and again and again and again. And if that's the case, chances are you are literally just describing what that product is. Yes. This is a candle. This is a pink vase. This is a yellow water bottle. You're going to run out of things to say yeah. very quickly if you're just literally describing what that product is. And, you know, you and I both know, like, we, we don't just buy for just the product nowadays. We buy because it makes us feel good. We buy because of what we believe. There are a number of different reasons why we as consumers today buy. Conscious consumerism is huge right now as well. Yeah, that's it. We buy, like the Elderman Report uh, recently, literally, and I think it's risen again, where it's like over 70% of consumers today buy based on what they believe, like value alignment. So important. So if you are just simply focusing on, this is a candle, it's got a wick, (laughs) it'll last four hours. (laughs) 
it's got a wick. <laughs> it's made out of this essential oil, which, you know, is important too. But if you're just simply focusing on that, instead of talking about maybe it's the fact that you've really sourced these essential oils from a particular area because it's sustainable, because it's ethical. Like, so really having a very strong understanding, I think, of why people and your customers buy nowadays is important and infusing that in your content, in your copy, in your product descriptions and emails. Amazing. So with that candle example, and I actually have had that exact same candle, the glass house on Alfie Coast, because it smells divine. It is divine. It would be more on that product page talking about how you're going to transport yourself back to being on the Amalfi Coast and all of that rather than that's it comes in a glass jar filled with wax, has a wick. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Which one are you going to like to buy? It's high quality materials. (laughs) It's it's quality stuff. Like you would hope it's, you know, quality. That would be, that's a standard. How are you going to make them feel? (laughs) Yeah. I love that. Okay. So... And you talked about getting, you know, the 10% discount, things like that. We do all these things, competitions to get people onto our email lists. And then I know a lot of people who they've got that list and then they don't send them anything because they don't know what to say. (laughs) So Mm. we've got our like abandoned cart sequences. We've got post-purchase sequences, all those sort of things. Welcome flows. What would you send just for like a weekly newsletter, something like that? What can people be putting in there so that they're constantly keeping in touch? Mm, Good question. A really good way to look at this is, here's the thing, like people don't really want to sign up to a newsletter. (laughs) So true. Yeah. I I don't. Yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't, especially if you're going to tell me you're just going to sell to me every single week, right? So what's the value of me giving my email to you in exchange for a weekly something? And this really depends on obviously the type of product. So maybe give me a product, give me a product and we can have a bit of a play with it. Okay. A. You're looking at your desk. You're like, what can I choose? Looking around, looking around. Pot plants, like the pots, (laughs) not the plants. The pots. Oh, the pots. Yeah. Like the painted one I got back there. Oh. Point, I'm pointing to the very bright yeah, colourful. Yeah, I see it. I see it. It's colourful. Great. Yes. Yep. So let's use potted at uh, the pots the pot. for plants as an example, <laughs> as the product, right? So yes, of course, you want to be speaking to maybe new collections you've got and new things you've got coming and all of that. But let's really think about the type of audience that would buy these colourful pot plants. Well, sorry, not without the plant, with just the pots. <laughs> the plant. The pot. colourful pots for the plant, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Let's I just really had to do something really about... confusing, didn't I? Um, yeah. Okay. So <laughs> it's obviously, all good. It's all good. obviously we own plants. We like plants. We're trying to keep plants alive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> my husband calls my yeah. plants my victims. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Great. Okay. So when you're really thinking about your audience and all the things that they would also be doing on a day-to-day basis, given the fact that they're wanting this colourful pot for plants, you can now start to see that there's other ways that you can actually, you know, invite your audience. There could be one way where you could be like, you know, this, the types of plants that you might want to, I'm just going to throw random ideas, the types of plants that you might want to put in for this type of pot and all the different, another one could be if your pot size, your pet plant pot size is this Here are the different plants that you should consider. Here are plants you shouldn't put in this pot because it's going to be X, Y, and Z. Now I sound like a plant expert. It could literally be, you could even showcase, I guess, user-generated content in terms of people who have maybe styled 
their home or their office using that colourful pot to give people ideas and inspiration as to how they could style it because when someone buys a colourful pot for their plants, I'm guessing it's like statement. It's a statement in a room, right? Yeah. So then, again, that's another avenue you can go forth. How can you use a colourful pot plant to create a statement in the room? I love it. Which one to choose? If you've got a background of white, which pot plant, which, I keep on saying pot plant, which pot should you choose, right? So already we've already gotten so many different ideas and there's probably a million others, but this is the trick. You've got to think of the person who's going to be buying this product that you've got and all the things that she or he or they like would be thinking of wanting, what other things would they be you know, seeking and wanting information on. And then you end up becoming less as just this weekly, here is the thing, buy Buy the thing, but more as something that they would want to open it. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. So adding that value to your emails as well. 100%, yeah. And collaborations are, are another great thing. So imagine if you had an artist who you collaborated with in terms of this colourful pot and really sharing their story, then you're not just selling, again, the pot, you're selling art yes i love that there's so, so much collaboration yeah. going on i i am wearing casey rainbow birkenstocks today oh, like love, <laughs> love it all sorts of artists you know putting their products on different things it's amazing that's it uh actually i've yeah. got a mustard cabinet behind me and they if anyone wants to go through a great email uh flow and regular emails sign up to their mailing list because they find a way mm to put out amazing content each and every week. And um, it's just the one product range that they sell, right? But you mentioned like showing Brilliant. other people's user-generated content and things like that, and they do a great job of that. Totally, yep. Okay, so I am a Facebook ad, Instagram person, huge advocate for that uh, once their website's converting, not running traffic until it is. So I would love to know what tips have you got for us for writing ad copy? Tips for writing ad copy. Um, I'd probably say there are, yeah, there's probably two, three things I'd say, particularly for product-based businesses. I think this comes back to also the objective of the ads, right? I think there are essentially three key ads a product-based business should be running. And of course, the ad copy that you would write for this would be relevant to the objective. The first one would obviously be the element of retargeting. So people who have landed on the page and for some reason they might not not have purchased, almost like, hey, we noticed that you, you know, left this thing in the abandoned pot. Like, call call, call it, yeah, 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 come, come get it, come, (laughs) come finish checking out. So the element of retargeting is great for whether or not it's abandoned cart, whether or not it's just to, again, get front of mind. The second thing is uh, more of a credibility uh, piece. So this could be testimonials. This could be where you've been featured on. This could be uh, like a recent magazine feature you've been on, but more of a credibility ad. So it could be uh, testimonial, testimonial, testimonial. Oh, my goodness, I can't believe how this one simple colourful pop plant has just made my room pop. Oh, my goodness, like this, my favourite gift so far from like just testimonials and then really speaking to how and why they should buy one of these colourful pots for their plants. So that's the second bit. The third element I would probably say is more probably direct to the uh 
either the product or if you know a lot of your audience need a little bit of nurturing, it could go towards like free shipping or it could go towards one of the codes or could be a freebie that then invites them through the series of email sequences to buy something from your store. But it's more direct with the aim to hopefully get them to more of a conversion-focused ad. Uh, It could be a new collection that you've got. And, of course, given these three different types, and, of course, there's a lot of other ones you can run, but those would be, I would say, the minimum ones I would start with. And how you would write the ad copy for these would be really based on the objective um, and really making sure your first line or two is has got a strong hook because if they don't hook people, they're not going to click more and they're not going to read the rest. Yeah. They're not going to take action. That's so it. We only see that very really small, important to focus on the hook. small line or two now, uh, which has really changed the game. Love yeah. it. Now yep. I've got a question for you all about robots. <laughs> so AI oh, is huge now, right? And things like chat yeah. GTP. Now being a copywriter and somebody that's obviously written copy and has a lot of people that write copy, how do you feel about people yeah. now using chat GTP to write copy, to write Facebook ads, to write product descriptions, all those sorts of things? Yes. I am a massive advocate for AI, chat GPT, whatever AI platform it is. Just like Canva is to designers, it actually is so powerful for copywriters, content agencies, agencies, social media managers, if you can write a really good input. Yes. Because if you write a vanilla prompt, it's going to give you vanilla content. Because ChatGPT or whatever AI platform is only as good as what you can put in that box. If you're literally going to put in the box, give me three tips or three ways to describe a candle. It's going to give you the most generic thing there is, right? Because what it's doing is it's trolling through the interwebs, the wide interwebs of all the people that are using that AI platform. And it's gathering random pieces of information and be like, I think you you want this. Like that's literally what the AI is doing. Yeah. It's collating data and information based on what it has collated through other people and Google or other interwebs uh, in general and giving you an answer based on what it thinks it is. Yeah. So that's the first thing. I'm a big champion for it because it has, we've, we use uh, chat GPT to streamline a lot of our processes. Like we can input one of my favorite ways. And I'll share this with you guys because you guys might find this really helpful. One of my favorite ways to use chat GPT right now is to input a large set of data. So let's just say you've got survey results Mm. that you've got with your clients or your customers, copy and paste the entire survey result. And all the things, I used to do this manually. Like we used to do this manually one by one and be like, oh, I think it's this, this, it. You can literally copy paste all of your data set, put it into chat GPT with a very specific prompt to get it to analyze the themes that are in the survey results and get it to come back to you with a report of the themes and the suggestions and the keywords people are using literally within 60 seconds. And all you've got to do is take Three steps. Take the data from the survey, put it into ChatGPT with a very specific prompt to get it to form formal, like literally document it in table format and identify themes, give you examples and pull out words people are using. And number three, you can literally just... My mind is blown right now because I've been doing this manually. (laughs) Right? 
Well, me too. Me too. Until, yeah, obviously this year with ChatGPT. And third, you can literally then take that within 60 seconds, a minute or two. When I used to just go there and like literally go highlight, highlight and like manually do it, it can do that so much quicker. Yeah. And that is so, just so powerful, right? If you know how to use the machine. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. I'm part of your Word Fetty Club membership and you actually give a chat GTV prompt every month as part of the content plan. I do. And I just love yes. them because they are, and it's like you say, the better the prompt, the better they're the They're very response. specific. Yeah, they're very, very yep. specific. So I absolutely love those. Uh, it's so nice to hear a copywriter, uh, you know, loving chat GTV. And as you put it, like it's, it's yeah, like I know a lot of graphic designers that love Canva. And I had a client the other day yeah. saying, oh, I can't possibly ask my graphic designer to make me templates in Canva. As if they're a proper designer, I'm like, yeah, designers love Canva. Like, <laughs> it's an amazing tool. They do because it streamlines. Yeah, it streamlines everything, right? But the one thing that Canva, for example, for designers, but also AI or chat GPT will lack is insight yeah. and perspective and strategy. Yeah, You've got to input the strategy and your insight and be able to translate what's in your mind into words to put into the chat GPT box for it to give you what it wants. So if you cannot do that, that is when it will give you very vanilla stuff. Yeah, it's amazing. I can't wait yeah. to see, uh, you know, where everything goes with all of this AI and Me too. chat assistance through open AI recently just came out and it's, it's going to just... It blows my mind, all the amazing opportunities that are there. Oh, I just wanted to say thank yep. you so much for jumping on today, for sharing so many knowledge bombs with us all. Now, if somebody wants to connect with you further, maybe they want to find out about this membership or how you can help them more, where can they find you? Yes, well, find us. I've got a podcast as well, Brand Fetty. You can find me personally at Anita CK, N-I-T-A-S-I-E-K, and the team at Word Fetty. Um, and I would highly recommend uh, getting our freebie, which is our five e-lessons. Um, I'll share the link with you, but it's wordfettygroup.com forward slash freebie. Yeah, fabulous. I'll pop everything in the show notes for everyone. Yes, and hint, hint, there is a little bit of a link there for the club if you would like to join. <laughs> it's a great club. <laughs> hint, hint, hint. <laughs> it's so much fun and you can have me and Garen in there. Yeah, <laughs> so, so fun. Amazing. Thank you so much. I'm going to jump all of those links into the show notes for everyone and, yeah, highly recommend if you need any sort of help with your copy or and not just having someone write it for you but you really teach people how to do that for themselves through WordFetty as well. So, uh, check yeah. that out um, and even just jump on your email list. I remember going through like the seven tips in the first week and showing the difference between you could write this or you could write this and you'd only changed a couple yeah. of words and it was totally different. That's it. Uh, and it just blows my mind how you do that so easily. So thank you so much for sharing some of your wisdom with us today and look forward to learning even more from you in the future. Of course. Yay, so appreciate you. Thank you so much for having me on the podcast. <laughs> Anytime. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Unstoppable E-Commerce Podcast. You can find all the show notes and links that I mentioned on my website at unstoppableecom.com forward slash podcast. If you're ready to take action and grow your e-commerce store into a profitable six-figure plus business, join me inside Econ Club. 
Ecom Club is the community for women in e-commerce looking to learn, connect, and grow. You get full access to my signature training program, Ecom Igniter, as well as next level support inside our private support group with weekly live calls, monthly guest experts, and quarterly planning workshops. Find all the details now at unstoppableecom.com forward slash club. See you on the inside. 